Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. This message is a part of our series, Life Together, where we are examining what the New Testament letters have to say about living in community. Well, good morning. So glad you're here and uh, good to be together as a church. One of the things that we've been... um, you know, really sensing as a pastoral staff is the need for us to gather together and to be together, understanding the complexities that exist in this world that we're living in, but just encouraging people to come and to gather together and be together. Uh, We were on a a tour of the the new building uh, yesterday again. A number of our people uh, who were there wrote scriptures on the walls, and just as I walked around that place, just imagining uh, what it would look like for us to be together in that space and to inhabit that space and just looking forward to, to that day. So um, I am excited about that. Um, I, I have a question for you as we begin. As we think about the church and what it means to be the church, um, and in these days, we've been talking about the essence because, the, you know, the church and really everything has been questioned and what is this about and how can we be the church even in the midst of this environment? And so we've been addressing that, looking at these one another ministries, and today we're going to look at forgiving one another. And the question that I want us to interact with in a moment, so I'll give you a little bit of chance to think about it, whether you're online or here, is what makes forgiveness difficult? If you have been hurt by someone, if there's been an offense in your life, what is it that makes forgiveness really, really difficult? Brennan Manning related the Spanish story about a father and a son who had become estranged. The son left home and the father set out to find him and he searched for many months with no success. And finally, in desperation, the father took out a newspaper ad that read, Dear Paco, meet me in the front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 men named Paco showed up looking for forgiveness and the love of their father. We all are in desperate need of forgiveness. The world is in desperate need of forgiveness. And so we live in this world where you don't have to live in the world for very long without being hurt. If I were to ask for a show of hands here today, how many of you have ever been hurt? I'm pretty sure everyone in this room, you don't have to put your hand up, but I'm sure everyone in this room would put their hand up, including me. Uh, We've all been wronged. We've all been hurt. We've all been estranged to some degree from ones that we love. And so let me ask you a question, and online I'd love it if you would uh, answer as well. Linda will shout your answers out as they come up on our live stream, but those of you who are here as well, what is it that makes forgiveness difficult? Let's hear it from you. Feeling that the person doesn't deserve forgiveness, okay. Forgiveness can be made more difficult when the person does not acknowledge their wrongdoing. Okay, when someone doesn't acknowledge wrong, yeah. Another one that came up online was when it's the second offense. When it's the second offense, yeah. Number two, the repeat offender. What about the third, fourth, seventh, eighth time? (laughs) What else? Ego? Yeah. When trust has been broken. Trust is broken, yeah. That's pretty much every time we get hurt, right? Trust is broken, that's the big thing. Anyone else? One more quickly. Another one came in online, pride. Pride gets pride. in the way and it makes yeah. it hard. So is that an exhaustion of the, of the issue? 
Uh, somebody, somebody backstage said to me, backstage, back in the back room here, um, said, you know, I could write a paper, a whole paper on this topic. How long do you have? Um, so just when we, when, as we think about forgiveness, it really is a difficult issue. It is difficult to forgive. But what are the options? What other options do we have in a world of hurt? What other options do we have when we're hurt? Uh, one of the best options I think that perhaps culture has to offer is, is this sentiment that a guy named Rodney King expressed. Rodney King, um, a black American, was struck repeatedly by the LAPD during a police stop, Los Angeles Police Department during a police stop, March 3rd, 1991. The incident resulted in absolute mayhem and riots around the country, kind of a version of what happened just this last year. And in response to the beating and the riots, Rodney King coined this phrase, and it sort of resonated with people, can't we all just get along? Can't we all just get along? Can't we all just move on from this hurt? Can't we all just put our differences aside? Can we not all just get along? And I think it's a good question, but I'm not sure that getting along really, really works. Getting together and having surface conversations and bumpy interactions and then going back to our own lives and putting the puzzle pieces back together, or are we supposed to just get along and families live under the same roof and yet at the same time, you know, sort of with this coldness or seething toward one another? Is God calling the church just to get along, to sort of coexist together, come together on a Sunday morning and worship together and then go home coldly to our own environments? God is calling us to demonstrate something greater as we look at this issue of forgiveness that actually makes an impact on our lives and in our world. And the answer to, the, to God's answer to a world of personal hurt is this issue of forgiveness. And so Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 and 32, the text will be up on the screen. I think it will be for us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 to 32. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn in your Bible. If you have a smartphone and use that, have a look at that. This is from the New International Version. And the word of the Lord. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let's pray. God, thank you for your word this morning to us, this brief text. And we come and put ourselves under the teaching of your word, not because I'm teaching it, but because we want the Holy Spirit to illuminate the gospel to us in this text and how it is we are to respond to the gospel and live in response to what you've done for us. And so, Jesus, we invite you to lead us and guide us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. And so as we see in this text this morning, the community, the church, supposed to relate to one another on the basis of kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. Ultimately, the text says, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. The text harkens back to Exodus chapter 34. God's made his covenant with his people, making his covenant with his people. 
He's delivered them, set them free, now giving, him, giving the covenant to them. And he reveals himself to Moses this way, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. But God has chosen Israel. He's called them. He's done so on the basis of forgiveness, not on the basis of their performance, which is typically how we tend to welcome one another. You've treated me well. You've done the right thing. Therefore, I'll accept you. But here God is saying that my acceptance of you, my choosing of you, is not on the basis of your performance of what you've done, on how well you have kept my commands, but on the basis of my compassion, my love, my gentleness, and ultimately my forgiveness toward you. God's kingdom is a kingdom that's based on forgiveness. It's a kingdom that's based on forgiveness. I oftentimes, when we meet with young couples or even couples who have been married and want some input into their relationship, I oftentimes tell them that your marriage is not going to be based on performance. If it's going to work, it's going to have to be based on forgiveness because you are going to hurt one another and you're going to have to forgive one another. In the context of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul has been teaching the Ephesians and he's talked about the fact that we've been recreated in Jesus to live a new life. We've been given a new life in Christ. And now the old is gone, the new has come, and we're supposed to take on the new self, the new life that God has given us that's been created. He says, put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. If you're going to become Christ-like, if you're going to grow in maturity, then it's going to be your responsibility to take off the old life and to put on the new life that's available to you in Jesus. God has revealed himself to us in Jesus through compassion and kindness and mercy and graciousness and ultimately forgiveness. And so therefore he's saying, as I've revealed myself to you, as I've breathed life into you, as I've released this into your life, so then you release this into the lives of other people. You might want to say, treat those who have wounded you as God has treated you in Christ. God has released something powerful in our lives through the work of the gospel. And we relate to him on the basis of forgiveness. He's called us and chosen us and only because we're forgiven people. So let's talk about what forgiveness is. Sorry, what forgiveness is not, first of all. What forgiveness is. And then I'll offer a model on how to forgive. So first of all, what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not excusing. We excuse all sorts of things, right? We excuse kids for crying loudly on an airplane. We excuse sneezes. Most of us do. We excuse 10-year-old boys for making rude noises. There are certain unpleasant things that you just excuse. You know, it's all right. Certain actions are excusable, but forgiveness is not excusing something. It's not making an excuse for someone's offense. Forgiveness is not forgetting. We all forget stuff. At my age, I forget where I put my keys in my wallet all the time. Uh, some of you can relate to that. Others are not quite there yet. I just need to have them in a regular place. Um, we forget things all the time. Uh, the truth is, with forgiveness, when you forgive someone, you are not choosing to forget. In fact, you can remember and remember well and still forgive. The reality is, is that we can forgive and still remember. We can forgive and still remember. Forgiveness is not subverting justice. Oftentimes when we think 
um, of forgiveness, we think in terms of the fact that the wrong will not be righted. There won't be any justice. But when we forgive people, we realize that they still live with the consequence of their action. And ultimately, they will have to stand before God who does not subvert justice. God is completely just. And then forgiveness is not reconciling. Reconciliation is restoring and renewing a relationship. We, We apologize, we extend forgiveness, and the relationship is restored. Reconciliation happens all the time in all sorts of good relationships. It happens regularly in my marriage where I have to ask for forgiveness um, more often than Wendy does, but I, I just got to ask for forgiveness, and, uh, and then she will say, I forgive you, and uh, we talk about it and renew and restore the relationship and move on, right? Those little things that happen throughout the day that trip us up, and, and we just need to ask forgiveness and become reconciled. That happens in the context of a good marriage all the time. It happens in the context of families and friendships and churches. The tear in the relational fabric has been mended, but forgiveness doesn't always require reconciliation. And sometimes reconciliation is almost impossible, is impossible. Sometimes you can have forgiveness without a restored relationship. And we all want restoration. We all want reconciliation in relationship. But sometimes there was a life-shattering offense, and trust is removed and is not restored. And if trust can't be restored, then reconciliation isn't possible. C.S. Lewis said he finally forgave the schoolmaster who abused both he and his brother. But it was 30 years after the schoolmaster died. For Lewis, reconciliation wasn't possible because reconciliation requires the rebuilding of trust and faith on the part of both people. Not possible sometimes. So forgiveness is not excusing hurt. It's not forgetting hurt. It's not subverting justice and saying that it was okay when it really wasn't. It's not reconciling with the person who was hurt. So what is, not always reconciling. So what, what is forgiveness? What is it? Forgiveness is a, is a decision. It's an, it's an act of the will by the grace of God to stop seeking revenge. Let's just say that. And so for a moment, just try to forget all of the all of the things that you may have assumed about forgiveness, all of the complexities of forgiveness, and let's just think of a single word, which is the word that this text uses, and it's the word release. Forgiveness means release. Forgiveness means letting go. We overcomplicate things sometimes, but it just means to let go. To choose to take someone that you've been holding in your debt through resentment or bitterness or anger, and to release him and to release her. It's not calling something that someone else did that was immoral or destructive okay. It's not turning a blind eye toward injustice. It simply means that you choose to release somebody from personal obligation to you and then into the hands of God. So in Genesis chapter 4, verse 23 to uh, 24, we find what's known as the law of Lamech. Lamech said to his wives, just a few, few uh, scriptures here, a few verses. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. So Lamech had been injured, been wounded, perhaps physically, and he's gone after the young man who's done it, and he's killed him. 
And he says, if Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. He's killed a man for the wrong that he's done to him. And he said he would seek revenge 77 times over anyone who hurts him. He's making a pretty gangster statement here. See what I did to that young guy? I won't just take an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. I'll hurt you 77 more times than you hurt me. I'll come after you because of what you've done, for, done to me. Let this be known about Lamech. You don't mess with him. 77 times more than the hurt you inflicted on him, he'll inflict on you. This you need to know about Lamech. That's the law of Lamech. If anyone causes me pain, I will lash out and inflict pain back on them. And that's the natural way that we live. We live with a sense of vengeance. We live with a sense that if somebody has wronged us, that we need to get some kind of revenge. Sometimes we just hold it in our hearts, and other times we act it out. But that's basically how we live life. But there's an account in the Gospels that actually reverses this. It's found in Matthew chapter 18. Peter approaches Jesus, and he says, somebody's hurt me. He's offended me. He's wounded me. It's the repeat offender. It's somebody who's done it more than once. We've all, we all know about the repeat offender. Maybe we are the repeat offender. He's offended me. He's wounded me. I get that I'm supposed to forgive that person once, but it feels unfair. How many times when somebody does it over and over and over again? Why should I be the one who's always forgiving? How often do I have to forgive? Do I forgive him up to seven times? He says to Jesus. So here's the backstory. Rabbis taught in that day that you should forgive. So you should be generous with forgiveness. And to be generous meant that you would forgive someone three times. And after the third time, you could seek revenge. How many of you have ever played that game, three strikes and you're out? You've done it once. You've done it twice. Now on the third time, you're done. Three times. The old three strikes and you're out game. Peter's generous because he's doubled the rabbi's expectation. The rabbi's expectation was three, and he's taken it and doubled it and added one for good measure. And he's probably thinking that, Peter, that Jesus would say to him, Peter, you're so generous, three, seven times. Seven times. I mean, so generous, Peter. And forgiveness to us sounds good, but does it really work in the world that we live in? And listen to what Jesus says to Peter. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Jesus is not condemning Peter, but he's referring back to Lamech. He's referring back to that statement of exacting vengeance 77 times. And he's saying to Peter, as my disciple, you won't go down the same path that Lamech went down. When it comes to life, you've got two choices. You, you, you can, with the, you've got two choices to deal with the way people have hurt you. You can choose the law of revenge. You can choose the way of Lamech, of the, the path of Lamech that leads to death and hurt and destruction. Or you can choose the way of Jesus, which is forgiveness that leads to life. Seventy-seven times, Peter, you forgive that person. Forgiveness is a choice to stop seeking vengeance. Or as someone said, forgiveness is the choice to let the other person off your hook. You know what it's like when you have someone on your hook? 
even when you turn, the, turn a cold shoulder toward them. They, they're still on your hook. You won't let them go. It's the choice to release the offender from personal obligation so that you will no longer seek vengeance. It's the choice not to stew on the offense any longer. It's the choice not to bring up the offense of the offender. It's the choice not to talk about the offense to others. How often do we do that when we're hurt? We go around and talk to three friends or four friends or maybe seven friends or more, trying to get them to understand our story, trying to get them to understand our hurt. And even if they try to offer any kind of counsel or correction, we don't want to hear it. They're not on my side. I only want people who agree with me. That's how I know I've been wronged. And I build my case. Forgiveness is the choice not to talk about the events with others. So how do we forgive? How do we let the other person off the hook? Easier said than done particularly when the hurt runs really, really deep, particularly when it happens over and over and over and over. How do we forgive? I, I want to offer you a simple model that I came across in a book entitled The Book of Forgiving, Forgiving by Desmond Tutu and his daughter Mafo. Desmond Tutu was the Archbishop of the Anglican Church in South Africa and helped lead the country through the truth and re uh, reconciliation process with Nelson Mandela. He was one of, one of the architects of that process. And he documents four steps to forgiveness that I have found helpful in my own journey. This is what they used in their process of truth and reconciliation. I, I would suggest to you that you need to find somebody that you can walk through this process with, particularly if the hurt runs deep. And it's something that you can practice in your own life, but I, I would suggest to you to find a, a confessor, to find a, a mentor, to find a, a counselor. Don't run around and share it with the world, but find a person that you can trust. Now, someone who will actually value you and your story. And not somebody who just wants to offer advice, but somebody who will actually listen and will care and guide you toward freedom. The four steps are this. First of all, sharing your story. Talk about what happened. Some people shove the hurt down so deep that they can't even talk about it. They, they can never even express it to anyone. They've been carrying it around with them for years and years and years. In sharing your story, you are simply telling the truth of what actually happened. In telling your story, you're actually getting some of your dignity back. Desmond Tutu writes, it's how we begin to take back what was taken from us and how we begin to understand and make meaning out of our hurting. In fact, he writes, knowing and telling our own stories of harm predict our future health and happiness in recovering from that trauma. It begins by telling your story. Secondly, naming the hurt. Describe the hurt that's occurred. A harm felt and denied will always find a way of expressing itself. It will pop up here. It will pop up there. It will manifest in unexpected ways and in harmful ways. Marriages will crumble under the weight of unspoken resentments and unacknowledged hurts. When we ignore the hurt and the pain, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until the pain begins to seep into our other relationships like a, a festering wound. A pain from childhood can impact a marriage, can impact the way that we relate to other people. Name the hurt. Pray. When this happened, I felt 
or sorry, say when this happened, I felt worthless or shameful or diminished or unloved. What offense occurred and how did it impact you? We need to name the hurt. Oftentimes we just sweep it under the rug. It doesn't really matter. It does matter. We need to name the hurt. Thirdly, granting forgiveness. Prayerfully with God, grant forgiveness. Father, I forgive Ron for betraying me. Let, let the person off your hook and put them on God's hook. Imagine that if it's helpful. Just imagine taking somebody off your hook and putting them on God's hook. And then fourthly, renewing or releasing the relationship. Some relationships can be reconciled. Others can't. Ideally, we want reconciliation, but others just can't be reconciled because trust has just been shattered and continues to be shattered. Some friendships will never be the same. A marriage that suffers constant betrayal or abuse can't be reconciled. If trust can't be reestablished because of repeated sin, the relationship cannot be reconciled and will have to be released. But forgiveness can still be secured. Remember the word release. Forgiveness is about releasing the offender from any vengeance that you have in your heart. Here is the beauty of forgiveness. When you release the offender, someone wrote, forgiveness is about setting the prisoner free and that realizing, then realizing that in your bitterness, anger, or hatred, that you were the prisoner all along. You set yourself free when you release someone else. Forgiveness frees you from carrying a weight that you were never meant to carry. Every time we get hurt, we have two choices. We can go down the path of Lamech, or we can follow the way of Jesus. We can go down the pathway of Lamech, or we can follow the way of Jesus. Forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. You see, God has released his power into your life to be able to forgive someone else. He's released forgiveness into your life. He's breathed his life into you. He's revealed himself to you as a loving, gracious, kind, compassionate, forgiving God. Our relationship with him is based on nothing else than his forgiveness toward us. And our relationships with each other, if they're going to be real relationships, will be based on nothing else other than forgiveness. It won't be on performance. It will be on forgiveness. Forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. I was listening to the speech that Joe Biden made yesterday. And... Uh, one of the things he said is, now is the time, now is the time to heal the hurts of the past. And everyone, you could see everyone saying, yes, yes, we need to do that. In fact, I felt that in my own heart. Yes, the world needs that. But you know what? Those same words, the same sentiment was uttered by Donald Trump four years ago. Now, I'm not making a statement on either of those men or their policies. I'm just suggesting to you that the only way that we can heal the hurts of the past is through forgiveness. <laughs> the only way that we can heal the hurts, if there are hurts in our church, if there are hurts in our world, if there are hurts in our marriages, the only way is through forgiveness. Forgiving one another as God and Christ has forgiven you. The world needs the gospel, friends. The world needs desperately to know 
the forgiveness, grace, love, kindness, and gentleness of God so that we can breathe that out and extend that toward one another. The church becomes good news to the world because it has a message of forgiveness available to people who are hurting. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. To discover more about Stony Plain Alliance Church and its ministries, visit our website at spaconline.com. Grace and peace.